from the overflow of our heart, from the things that you've done for us, God, and that we would know that it's not to build a building or it's not about having nice things, God. It's about giving back to your kingdom and growing it, God, and trusting that our leaders are going to use all of our resources for that purpose, God, because you've appointed them to be our leaders. I pray that you would just lay on our hearts what we're supposed to give today and that we would give joyfully. In your holy name we pray, amen. All right, guys, sit on the edge of your seats. If you have a notebook, pull it out and get ready for a message from Pastor Jeff. All right. I, I, uh, I couldn't help but notice that when Jess asked how many people were excited for the family meeting tonight, that the response was hesitant. Sometimes when a church calls a family meeting, we're kind of like, I'm not sure what this means. I assure you that we won't be talking about, there's no bad news or uh, any surprises to bring up at the meeting this evening. And so if you uh, call City Church your own church, uh, your home church, then we invite you to come this evening at six o'clock. We just want to share with you, we want to give a little bit of a financial update and but also talk about a handful of things that we're working on as we move forward this year. And we're actually going to share, I'm going to share a couple of things about, uh, you know, as we've been talking about vision and mission, and we're going to continue to talk about that over the next little while. Uh, you know, one of the pieces that we, that, uh, that um, comes into play is, the, is that of strategy. How, what exactly are we doing strategically in order to move forward and advance? And here's the truth is that I probably won't spend a lot of time on Sunday mornings talking about that particular piece, but I am going to take some time tonight at our family meeting and talk a little bit about what's on our heart and our mind when we think about our strategy in terms of how we move forward. And so, you know, we would, you know, we would love for everyone here who calls uh, City Church, your church, to come and to join us. I also want to make a quick comment about uh, the men's uh, breakfast uh, that we have coming up this weekend. In fact, oh, there it is there. So men, uh, if you're here, grab your phone. I'll give you a couple of minutes where you can grab that QR code and you can register for our men's breakfast right now. It's important to us that you register because we need to know how much bacon to order. Right, we can't run out of bacon, right? And so we need to know, you know, kind of get an estimate as to how much food we need to prepare, um, etc. I am, I am really excited about what God is doing among the men here at City Church, and I'm really excited for this men's breakfast. And so I got to tell you that I am, in fact, a little bit crushed. And what I mean by that is that uh, we put this on our calendar and on our schedule back in November when we were planning for 2024. And then my kids went and bought me tickets to an NHL hockey game in Denver that happens next Saturday, and they didn't consult the church calendar before they did so. And, uh, and so uh, I, I'm, I'm a little bit torn, not really. A weekend, a weekend with my daughters to go and watch a, to go and watch a hockey game uh, is going to be just such a great moment, you know, for us uh, as a family and whatnot. And I didn't mean that they, obviously, that they should have consulted the church calendar. They can buy me tickets to whatever they want, whenever they want. Um, but uh, I, I, do, I do mean that I was a little bit sad when I found out that it was going to conflict with the men's breakfast uh, because I want you to hear this from me, is that I am really passionate about what God is currently doing among the men at City Church, and I am really passionate about building a church that raises up strong 
godly, Christ-like followers of Jesus who are a blessing where they work, who are a blessing in their families and in their homes, who are raising godly sons and daughters. It is my conviction that a strong society is built on strong families and that strong churches are built with strong families and that strong families require both a strong, uh, a strong man and a strong woman. woman. Amen? And so we are passionate about that. And so I, I, I bring all of that up to say, if you are a man here in our church, one, please come to the men's breakfast this weekend. It's going to be really great. We're going to have some fun time. There's going to be food. There's going to be, you know, uh, opportunity for kind of friendship and interaction. Uh, we're going to hear from a couple of men in our church who we're going to share about their heart uh, for the men in our church and the men in the city of Albuquerque. You know, we have a men's small group here that has been kind of busting at the seams that I'm a part of, Foster and Cliff and Keith lead that men's group and uh, we gather every Tuesday night here at the church and I just don't want any men to miss out on the opportunity to link arms with other men in our church and to grow together as we follow Jesus together. Amen? I don't want the fact that, uh, so what I didn't want to have happen was that a bunch of people show up on Saturday and then, well, where's Pastor Jeff? And then that be interpreted as, Jeff doesn't really think this is important. Hear me. This is important. It really is. It's important to me. And so, um, I hope that you will register, that you'll come. I hope that you'll invite a friend. I think it's going to be a really good time, and I'm really hoping that it's just the start of, of something that will take place as we just kind of step by step work towards doing more and more that we can to serve the men in our church well and to position our church to be able to reach men in our community because people need Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. So, uh, over the past couple of weeks, uh, as you know, we've been talking about vision, and uh, we shared about our vision, uh, our belief that God wants to uh, raise up City Church to be a place where people encounter God, a people to whom we can belong, and a launch pad for purpose. We distilled that down uh, into the phrase of following Jesus together. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, gather, grow, and go, which is what we do in the pursuit suit of our vision. That's how we kind of define mission and how we understand that. It's what we do in pursuit of our vision. And so we talked about those kind of three things. Over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about values. And uh, values, uh, they describe who God is calling us to be. And so if vision and mission, if that describes what God is calling us to do, values describes who God is calling us to be. Now, this time last year, a lot can happen in a year, right? This time last year, my family was in the middle of spending a couple of months suffering for Jesus in Tuscany, Italy. It was hard. Uh, we had a, an Airbnb. We were in, a, we were in a, a really small Tuscan town called Campilia Maritima. It is uh, like, uh, so it, it's, you know, a, a 
a city, a little town on a, on a hill, kind of quintessential or typical for what you would envision for Tuscany. We had an Airbnb that was kind of on the edge of the town. And so when I walked out onto our little kind of patio or deck, I could, oh, it was overlooking the Mediterranean and you know, it was just, it was, it was gorgeous. Like I said, it was really hard. And, um, and, uh, uh, and so one of the things that was so that I so loved about this little condo in our little place in Tuscany is that I could walk out onto our patio, our little deck, and at the edge of the deck was a lemon tree. And so every time I wanted a lemon, I literally I would walk out, I would grab a lemon, and I would pick it, and then you know we could do whatever we wanted to do with it. If I wanted to have an orange, I walked out of the deck and down the corner, and there were orange trees right there, and I would pick an orange off of the tree, and they were, and it was awesome. So if I wanted a lemon, I went over to the lemon tree. If I wanted an orange, I went over to the orange tree. Oddly enough, I never found any lemons on the orange tree. I never went to the orange tree expecting lemons and I never talked to, you know, like some people are into, you know, talking to their plants, right? Anyone here talk to their plants, right? Most of you don't want to admit it. So I never went over to like the orange tree and was like, come on, orange tree, you can do it. Come on, you can, you could bear, you could, you could produce lemons. Come on, you can produce lemons. You can do it. Just believe in yourself. Just Give it your very best effort. Just try as hard as you can to produce lemons. Come on, I believe in you, orange tree. No, no, we, we never did that. If I wanted a lemon, I went to the lemon tree. If I wanted an orange, I went to the orange tree. You know, there's this passage in Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus uses this as a bit of an illustration, and he says this. He says that a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. He says a bad tree cannot bear good fruit, and a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. You know, the lemon tree that I picked lemons from, or the orange tree that I picked oranges from, they never, they didn't have to actually give any effort at all to producing their fruit, right? All they needed was they needed to be planted they needed to be watered. They needed the kind of the right kind of soil. They needed to get water. They needed the right kind of temperatures, you know, in the climate to be there. And then you know what happened? They just produced lemons or they just produced oranges. No real effort on their part, just did it. Why? Because that's what they are. It's a lemon tree or it's an orange tree and it just produces its fruit. And this is what, uh, this is, what I'm getting at when we talk about values, we're talking about this vision of who is it that God is calling us to be. Here's my contention when it comes to us as Christians, is sometimes we focus too much of our effort and energy on bearing good fruit when we should be focusing our effort and our energy on being good trees. And so what we're talking about over these next couple of weeks when we talk about values is what kind of tree is God calling City Church to be? What kind of culture is God wanting to form and to shape within us as people and as a community? What kind of church is God calling us to be? Because listen, if we will become the kind of church that God is calling us to be, then guess what happens? The fruit comes naturally. It just happens. 
So uh, we're going to touch on this a little bit today, and you've heard me talk about this before, but certainly near and dear to our heart is that we are a great commission people, that we are a, missional, um, a mission-minded church, that we are committed to joining Jesus in his mission, and we want to see people in Albuquerque come to know Jesus. Here's what I've noticed over the years. I've been around church for a very long time, and I've had this conversation many a times with people. It's an observation, and that is this. People that have a real compassion and desire to reach people do. And people that don't, don't. It's almost like Jesus knew what he was talking about. Right? That those who have that in them, that's the kind of tree that they are. The tr the, what is in them in terms of their character is they love the lost. They love people. They have compassion on those that are hurting or those that have gone astray or those that have wandered off the path. They have compassion on them and they are compelled to go and to show and to share the good news. And what I've discovered is that those who have that inwardly produce the fruit outwardly it just kind of happens well that's what we want to be as a church but we have to then be intentional about our values why because everybody has values the question isn't whether or not we have values or whether or not you have values the question is what are they and b is am i choosing them Who's in charge of what those values are going to be? Are you with me? So in Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you want to know what your values are, then consider where your treasures are. Consider how you spend your energy, your effort, your time, your talents, your finances, the things that are important to who you are or the resources that you have how are those resources invested? That will tell us a lot about what is really important in our lives, a.k.a. what our values are. Values shape our character and our culture. They communicate what is important to us. They influence our behavior, and they inspire us to action. Because if they don't, then they're not really values right? If we say that something is important, but then it doesn't stir us or inspire us to action, then it isn't really all that important to us. Values form the foundation upon which vision and mission is built. Again, what we do flows from who we are. And that's quite frankly why we're going to take three weeks talking about values, but we only took one week to talk about vision and another week to talk about mission. Is because what we do flows from who we are. And we will never become who God is calling us to be, and we certainly will never do what God is calling us to do as a church if we don't get a sense as to who, who it is that God is really calling us to be, the kind of culture that God wants to form here at City Church within our community. Are you with me? So, uh, let's do this. First is, uh, let's 
give, I'll just give you a brief overview here of what our city church values are, how we, uh, what we're going to be working towards in terms of shaping the culture of our church, in terms of our values. And so we're going to characterize this using seven uh, kind of phrases that we think, this isn't everything that we think is important, but we think that these seven things kind of describe the kind of church that we believe that God is calling us to be. And so we believe that, that church, in terms of our values, that Jesus is our message, that God's presence is our passion, that community is our heart, that generosity is our joy, that honor is our code, that servant leadership is our privilege, and that the Great Commission is our calling. Now today, we're going to focus our attention on four of these seven values. Specifically, we're going to look today at Jesus is our message, community is our heart, that servant leadership is our privilege, and that the Great Commission is our calling. So, Jesus is our message. Jesus is our message. In 1 Corinthians chapter 18, verses, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 1, verses 18 to 24, Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, quote, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So Paul says, Paul says, listen, the, the Jewish people, they, the Jews want us to be focusing our message here, and the Greeks, they want us to be focusing our message here, but instead, we don't do either of those things. We preach Jesus Christ crucified. That is the message. We preach Christ. So we are, as a church, we are a kingdom-minded kingdom-focused, kingdom-preaching church. The good news isn't just the good news that if you raise your hand and if you pray a prayer that you will be saved. That is good news. But the good news is Jesus Christ himself in his life, death, and resurrection has defeated sin and evil and that right now he is at work in my life, he is at work in your life, and he is at work in the world in order to renew everything and to fully establish the kingdom of God in our lives and in our world, and we are invited to participate in what he is doing. The good news isn't a path. The good news is a person. It is Jesus. And so Jesus is our message. Secondly, community is our heart. Community is our heart. 
In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 24 to 27, Paul writes, But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, then every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part. So you, plural, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you, singular, is a part of that body. There's not one of you here today that is not a part of what God wants to do here at City Church, right? You are a part. So this is why you've heard me say this before. You need the church. You need the church. I know that there are some people out there that will say you can be a Christian and follow God and serve Him without the church. Hear me. No, you can't. I'm sorry. I'm not saying that because I'm, I'm a pastor and, you know, I want you to come to our church. I'm telling you. Because I've been studying the Bible for a very long time. The answer to that question is no, you can't. You need the church. Here's the deal. The church needs you. It's not just a one-way thing, right? The community of faith, the family of faith, the people of God that he is gathering here at City Church needs you. You are uniquely designed, uniquely fashioned, uniquely gifted, uniquely anointed because we need you. We need you here. We need you in your place. We need all that you bring to our community. We are stronger. We are better positioned to be who God is calling us to be and to do what God is calling us to do when you are here and you are in your place. Amen? And so we, uh, we value community here. Now, I don't want to kind of step on any toes here, but here goes. I think as we go through these values, it can be easy for many of us to say, well, this one here about community, this is probably the one that here at City Church that we are strongest in. It's kind of our best thing. Everybody says when they come into City Church that they feel so welcome here. People were friendly to me. They greeted me. They welcomed me. I met, you know, this many people and, you know, all the things. And that's true. That was our experience when we first started coming to the church. And almost every person that I've ever met since we've been here that has been new to the church has commented to me about how welcome they were made to feel when they came to the church. Now you're waiting for the shoe to drop. Do you understand that that actually doesn't make a community? And so what I want to say is, I, I'm no way, so this is not like a discouraging word, but it is to say that we need to set our sights higher or to raise the bar higher than just do people find us to be really warm and welcoming when they come into the church. So you've heard me say this before. It's not enough for people to find us friendly. People need friends. And so a community is made up of people. What we, Remember we've talked about in our vision that our vision is that City Church would be a place to encounter God and a people to belong to. And so something has to happen that leads people from, man, this is such a welcoming, warm environment, to these are my people. 
right? And so I, I, so I want to commend you, honor this church for the welcoming and friendly uh, atmosphere that we have here at the church, honestly. But I, what I really want to say is let's make sure that we don't just kind of rest on that and just kind of accept that that's the way that it is and that that's just going to be the way that it always is and like that's that's it no no we always want to be growing towards growing in this atmosphere and spirit of community within our church because we don't want to deprive anyone else who walks through our door the same experience that we've had are you with me so you know jesus told his disciples he said, this is how the world will know that the Father sent me. Because of the way that you love one another. Right? So again, this goes beyond just how warm and welcoming you are, super important. Right? But Jesus says, well, the world will know that I was sent by the Father by the way in which you love one another. Let me also add here that true community is never built by consumers. It requires contribution. True community is never built, can never be built by consumers. It requires contribution. Paul, writing to the Galatians in chapter 5, verses 14 to 15, said, The entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So here, Paul quotes the uh, Jesus and saying all of the law is wrapped up in this one thing love your neighbor as yourself so he's saying to the Galatians that's the heart attitude not just the heart that is how you must act toward one another that you love one another as each, you love your neighbor as yourself who's your neighbor look beside you look behind you look in front of you there, there they are right and so we love our neighbor as ourselves. and then he goes on to say he says that if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Now, sometimes I think we can misunderstand this saying of Paul and think that it has something to do with like conflict and contention and strife and fighting. But I think in truth, if we just think about at its very base level on its surface, which I don't think is a surface way of understanding that that literally biting and devouring it refers to the idea of eating which is literally means to consume and i, I honestly i don't this isn't like just my own making this up i think what paul is really getting at here is don't be consumers of one another don't be consumers of one another if all you do is consume one another then you will be destroyed by each other. True community is not built by consumers. It requires contribution. Um, community, final thought here on community. Community is held together by unity. It's in the word. Community is held together by unity and unity must be fought for. Unity must be fought for. At City Church, we are united by our shared allegiance to Jesus and our shared commitment to the great command and the great commission. What brings us together? Why are all of us here today? Because what we have in common, there's lots that we don't have in common. But that's not what, whatever reasons there are that could bring division, 
What brings unity is this. We share, a, we share in common that we are our allegiance to Jesus, our commitment to the great command, which is to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves, and the great commission, which is to go and make disciples of the whole earth. That's the commitment that unites us together. Are you with me? So Jesus, in praying for his followers before his death, you know what he prayed for? Prayed for unity. Lord, let them be unified. Again, using the language of, this is how the world is going to see that you sent me. Because my disciples, my followers, my church, they're united. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a, there's a lot of polarization and contention in the world. Right? That's not because I'm super observant. Right? We all see that. And so it gives, it is an amazing witness to the reality of Jesus Christ, of who he is, and of what he has done. When people can see a community of people that are diverse and are made up of all the different things that out there bring division and bring polarization and bring conflict, but then when they come into this community, they see that the things that divide out there don't divide in here. Well, what is that? That's Jesus. It's his working in our lives and in our midst couple of thoughts on this. Having a judgmental spirit and perspective towards others will sabotage unity and community. This is one of the reasons why we have to fight for unity. It's because I don't know about you, but I know for me, being judgmental and having that judgmental perspective towards others, man, that comes so easy to me. It comes so natural to me. It's so easy for me to look at somebody else and to see their flaws and to see the things that are wrong with them and to begin to get that look down at them type of attitude to which Jesus said something like, first take the log that is in your eye and then you will be able to help take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus doesn't use the term brother in that passage accidentally because he's talking about the way that his followers treated one another. He's saying, don't look at your brother or your sister. Don't look at the person sitting beside you or behind you and see only the flaws. Oh, take a look in the mirror and allow the Holy Spirit to shine his light within you and you'll find that we're all flawed. Now, do take the speck out of your brother's eye, but make sure that you're not having that judgmental attitude that causes you to miss your own log, right? So that you don't, and then misses the log in your eye. You can't see the speck and you can't help them. And so having a judgmental spirit and perspective sabotages unity and community. Gossip and slander will sabotage unity and community. I know you're just concerned and want to pray. I'm just a concerned church member that is telling who's, it's not really any of my business, but I care. And so because I care, I'm telling other people who it's also not any of their business. And that person that we're gossiping about, I bet they feel the love, right? I don't know, gossip and slander sabotages unity 
it sabotages community. And so if we're going to be a church that really makes this value of community uh, a part of who we are, then we need to make sure that we have a commitment both personally and corporately to say, no, we don't slander and we don't gossip. We don't, we don't talk about others kind of behind their back and kind of spill the tea and the private information of other people's lives. That doesn't, that doesn't further the cause of community and unity. It tears it down, right? Ulterior motives and agendas will sabotage unity and community. Ulterior motives and agendas will sabotage unity and community. What I mean by that, to get to the positive, is that keeping the main thing the main thing, right, uh, promotes unity. Right? When, when, we have, when, when we come to others, when we come to one another with ulterior motives and ulterior agendas rather than what unites us is our shared allegiance to Christ and our shared commitment to the great command and to the great commission, if we come with those ulterior motives, then we can hurt the cause of community and unity. But if we, what we bring to one another is our shared commitment to the main thing, we keep the main thing the main thing, then unity is promoted. Being committed to loving and serving one another promotes unity. It creates a culture of unity and community among us. What I want is that City Church goes from being a place, not that we're lacking this now, but I don't want us to just be a place where it is, these people are so warm and they're welcoming and they're friendly, but it is a place of genuine community where each and every one of us has the opportunity to uh, get connected into genuine, authentic, meaningful friendships and where within the relationships that happens within this community, we feel, we feel loved, we feel cared, we feel seen, we feel heard, we feel like we have found our place, we have found our people, and I am not afraid of what other people might think about me or what they may be saying about me, because that's not who we are as a church. And so our heart is for community that everyone would feel connected, would feel like they have those relationships, that this is a place that is life-giving in their lives. Amen? You know, it took a little bit of time there, but... Uh, third is servant leadership. I'll move quickly through the, the rest of the, uh, the cup, last two here. Servant leadership. So Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 and 28, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Whoever wants to become great. So, in the New Testament, uh, when it uses this word great, what it generally means is kind of like most prominent or like first leader, that kind of thing. It doesn't necessarily mean like most important or of like the higher value. It's not using this greatness scale that sometimes we can think of within our culture. What Jesus was actually responding to was some um, 
posturing on the part of his disciples. After he started telling them, we're going to be heading to Jerusalem, I'm going to be arrested, eventually I'm going, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to be put to death, some of the disciples started to posture amongst themselves for who was going to take over after Jesus left the scene. It was really what they were doing, right? Who's, who's second in command so that when Jesus is gone, I will, be, I will step into that place, right? And so that is to what Jesus is responding, and he's saying, if you want to be great, if you want to be a leader, if you want to um, be in that place, then you can't see yourself as someone who lords it over others and gives and has just authority over others. It's not about that. It's about being a servant, which is what Jesus exemplified. Uh, One of my professors at Portland Bible College, Ken Malman, one of the things that he said during my years in Portland that really stood out to me, really from the moment that he said it, was simply this. He said, the leadership is a tool to serve with. That's what it is. And as a church, we really believe that. We value that. Um, My wife and I value that not only for ourselves. Our leadership team here values that not only for ourselves, but our desire is, our commitment is, is that we want to help, we want to see leaders raise up in our church. Um, I'm, we are working towards, and I'm believing God for the day, that we have more leaders than we need here. Because that means that we'll be able to send people out, fill other needs, all that kind of stuff. One of our commitments is that as we do that, what we're looking for, what we're wanting to impart within people is that leadership is about service. It's not about being in charge. It's not about getting your way or having your say, but it is about serving. So in John chapter 13, verses 12 to 17, the John writes, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that I, or now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So what's Jesus doing? He's just saying, follow my example. Do what you have watched me to do. If there is anyone who was ever in the history of the world in the position to walk around simply saying, serve me and do whatever I tell you to do, it was Jesus. It was God in flesh. The creator and sustainer of the cosmos takes on human form. And what does he do? He doesn't act like the leaders in the world who had authority. Instead, he takes the place of a servant. And then he says, now do what you've seen me do. Right? And so we want to build a culture here, a leadership culture here at the church that understands that leadership is a tool to serve with. Why? Because we're called to love one another. We're called to be for one another. You're not here for my benefit. You're not here to do what I ask you to do. I'm here, we are here for your benefit. 
if there are no sheep, then there's no need for a shepherd. Which comes first? The sheep come first, right? There, there is no need for a shepherd if there are no sheep, right? And so the shepherd comes in order to care for the sheep, in order to lead them to green pastures, in order to care for them and to help them and all th- those things. I'm not saying that the sheep shouldn't follow somebody's lead, but I am saying, to understand here, you're not here for my benefit. We are here for your benefit. We are here to serve this church family so that by learning to be faithful to God, by learning to become who God's calling us to be, we can do the things that God is calling us to do, right? But understand that that's the kind of culture that we, wanna, uh, that we want to develop here, leadership culture, is that leadership is about service. Finally, uh, the Great Commission is our calling. I won't spend a lot of time on this for time's sake, but also you've heard me talk about this quite a bit already. I think you know that this is near and dear to our hearts here. Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20. Uh, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I would add one comment to this passage, and that is simply that often when we hear this passage, we think he's talking about evangelism. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, and that making disciples looks like baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that he has commanded, right? And so it includes sharing our faith, it includes evangelism, it includes reaching the lost, but it's so much more than that. In John 21, 21, Jesus says to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. In Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus says to the disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This should be really good news for us because sometimes we can hesitate when it comes to the thought of uh, sharing our faith with others, because we might feel like, I'm not sure that I know enough. I don't know that I can answer all the questions that a person might have. I don't know if I can articulate very well all the different facets of the gospel. Listen, all Jesus is asking of you and I is to be a witness. What does a witness do? They tell the story of what they have seen and heard. If you leave here today and, you know, you ended up seeing a car accident or something, you might stick around because you've been a witness to that. And now the police or the authorities, they want to know what you have to say. What do you share? What you saw, what you heard. That's what we're called to be and to do for Christ, is to be His witness. What does that mean? It means that as God provides the opportunity... I'm willing to share with other people what I have seen and what I have heard. Listen, I was lost. I was broken. I was hurting. I was wandered way off. And here's how Jesus rescued me and how he saved me. And man, life has not always been up and to the right since I came to know Christ. But man, he's been with me in every moment through the good times and through the bad times. He has set me free. He has healed my heart and he has released wholeness into my life. And I am not the same person that I was way back then. What is that? That's just what I have seen and heard of the goodness of Jesus Christ in my own life. We're called to be witnesses. 
In closing, let me ask you to reflect on a few questions. I was saying to our prayer team earlier today that, you know, when we talk about values, what I'm really talking about here is what I believe God is calling us to become as a community, as a church. This really is not just about you and me as individuals. It's about us as a church family. And, you know, we are very independent in our culture. And I'm not saying that that's, I'm not saying that is a bad thing. I'm just saying that as a, is an observation of the culture that we live in. It is important to note that the culture that the Bible was written to was not as individualistic as our culture is. And so their tendency was to understand the scriptures, first in relationship to the community, and secondly, in relationship to ourselves. Or to say it this way, first we ask the question, what does this mean for we? And then I ask, what does this mean for me? So, as we've shared about these four values today that I believe is what God is calling us to as a community, that is the we, I do want to leave you with these four questions that you might ask of yourself. The first is, is Jesus the central focus of your witness? Is Jesus the central focus of your witness? You know, sometimes when we do have the opportunity to share Jesus with someone, I've sometimes noticed myself having the tendency that I could spend more time telling a person why they're wrong than why Jesus is right. I'm not saying that we don't challenge lies and misconceptions, but I am suggesting that we ought to make sure that more than anything that we are showing and sharing why Jesus is right. So is Jesus the central focus of your witness? Second is, is your relational circle open or closed? Is your relational circle open or closed? When you think about kind of your relational circle, your friends, the people you spend the most time with, is that circle open or it's closed? I'm telling you that if we're going to become the church God is calling us to be and if we're going to do what God is asking us to do, our circles need to be open. I hope, and I, I hope and I pray that you feel satisfied and fulfilled and happy with the friends and the family and the people that are in your life. But I'm telling you, God wants to add somebody else to that group. And so our circles need to be open. Thirdly, is your desire to serve others a greater motivation than your desire to serve yourself? Finally, are you a disciple, a student, or apprentice of Jesus? Or are you engaged and are you engaged in showing and sharing the gospel to others. Here's the deal. If the mission that Jesus is inviting us to join is to go and make disciples wherever we are, he wants us to make disciples in our families, in our neighborhoods, where we work, where we play, among our friends, wherever. If Jesus is calling us to go and to make disciples, and I suggest that he is, please understand that it takes one to make one. You will reproduce what you are, for good or for bad. All of us will. And so I think of Paul who said, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul who said, imitate me, right? Well, how could he say that? Not because he was perfect, but that he was confident that he himself was apprenticing to Jesus, following Jesus to the best of his ability. And so he could confidently say, follow the example that I am setting. The point is this, it takes one to make one. So am I 
Am I a student of Jesus? Am I a follower of his? Am I daily leaning in to Christ? To be with him, to be aware of his presence? To grow in Christ's likeness so that I could become more and more like him? And so that today I could do the things that he would do if he were going to my job or if he were walking through my neighborhood or if he were hanging out with my friends. Am I really following Jesus? Because if I'm not really a disciple, then it's going to be hard for me to help others be disciples of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? So I encourage you to reflect on those questions, to think about them, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you maybe about them. And I hope that what you will get in your heart is that God is calling City Church to be a community of faith, to be a people who in our values, in our culture, in who we are, that we are honoring to God and faithful to Him and that we are a blessing and a source of strength and encouragement to one another and that we are a light that shines in the darkness of Albuquerque that points other people in the direction of Jesus through what they see in us and in our community and through the words that we speak. If we are going to do all that God has set before us, and I believe that God has set a lot before us, then we need to make sure that we do everything that we can to be the good tree that God is calling us to be so that we can bear the good fruit that God is calling us to produce. Are you with me? Let's bow our hearts and close our eyes today. Just before we uh, move on, I just want to pray here for uh, in a moment, but I do want to ask that if you're here today and maybe you have wandered away from God, maybe you have uh, followed Jesus in the past, but you've wandered away and wandered off and gotten off track, or maybe you're here today and you have never prayed and asked Jesus to be your Lord and to be your Savior, I would, Savior, I would love to take a moment and pray with you today. And I want you to know that, um, that all that we talk about here today is because we believe that there's a call of God upon our church. But what I want you to hear today, if that's you, that there's a call of God upon your life, that God loves you, that he sees you, that he lived died, rose from the dead for you so that you could know him and that you could experience the abundant life that is his will for you. And you are invited to become a part, to uh, enter into Jesus and all that he has for you. And you're invited to be a part of what God is doing here in this place. So before we move on and pray and dismiss the service, if you're here today and you either have never taken the step to invite Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord, or if you have known him in the past but have wandered away from the faith, but you would say today, you know what, today I want to, I want to come, I, I, I want to cross that line. I want to start to follow Jesus today, or I want to come home to Jesus today. 
I'm gonna ask you to do something really bold and this will be it. I won't ask anything else uh, from you. Um, but uh, I'm gonna ask you to be really bold and to just slip your hand in the air just to identify that that's you today. Just put your hand up in the air and we'll just take, we're just gonna pray a prayer together before we close and before we leave here today. If that is, if you that fits your description here today, I would encourage you to maybe chat with the person that brought you today and maybe ask them a little bit about their faith and how they came to know Jesus and why they're serving him. And um, yeah, and uh, we thank you for coming. Uh, church, would you stand with me? Let's take a moment and pray together. Father, we just thank you today for your presence here in this place. I thank you for this church family. Thank you for all that you are doing here. Thank you for all that you are going to do uh, in and through City Church. Uh, Father, our commitment, I hope that you hear our commitment today, Lord Jesus, is that we would be the people that you are calling us to be so that we're able to do the things that you're calling us to do. We want to be that good tree that is able to bear good fruit for your glory and for your honor and that we may be a blessing in our city and to the world. I pray, Father, that you would, by your spirit, uh, create within our church that type of culture where you are at the center of our words and of our ministry, where uh, we would uh, be the kind of community where people truly find meaningful, authentic, deep relationships where everyone feels like this is my people. Would you create here a leadership culture that understands that leadership is a tool to serve with and we want to do our best to serve others well. And finally, that you would create a culture of the Great Commission here within our church, that we would recognize that we are not only called to be a people that gather, but we are also called to be a people who go. And that every week we go into the different corners of our world and of our lives and of our city. And that every day is an opportunity for us to be a light that shines in the darkness and a voice for the gospel that we can show and share the good news about Jesus to the world that is around us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would put within us a compassion and a passion and an urgency for the gospel because our city needs Jesus. Do it within, our, within us, within our hearts, within our church, we pray. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. Awesome. Uh, listen, if you have, uh, if we can pray for you, if there's something in your heart, your mind today that is uh, weighing on you, our, our prayer team is up here and we would love to just pray with you and link our faith uh, with yours. But beyond that, church, uh, I hope that you have a great rest of the day today. Hope that we'll see you back here at uh, 6 o'clock for our family meeting. Uh, while you're leaving, why don't you turn around, find the face of someone that you've never met before and say hello to them today. We love you. God bless you. Time.
day I find your mercy in me And every moment that I spend 